Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, happy Mother's Day. That's hard to respond to, isn't it? <laughs> happy Mother's Day, just like a thank you or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah, or same to you, but I'm not a mom, so it doesn't exactly work out. Um, what a wonderful thing it is to, to honor our moms. And uh, so let me just say, like I truly believe this, that right here in the room are the greatest moms on the planet. And uh, you should give yourselves a hand, and we all should give you a hand. I am um, especially grateful uh, for my own mother, and uh, she's, she's uh, at her church this morning. Um, Dad makes her stay there. Won't let her out, you know? No. Um, but I just want to honor her. Um, will you give my mom a hand? Mama? Yes. A uh, woman of God, uh, all, all my life, all I have seen is her passionately serve our Lord and Savior, uh, Jesus Christ, and train us up to do the very same uh, thing. And I'm very grateful for my mother, and, uh, and her prayers are the reason, one of, one of the main reasons that I stand here alive and well today. Um, I wasn't a bad kid, but I was crazy, crazy and fearless, so I know that, I know that mom... Uh, Mom prayed me not only to Jesus, but prayed me safe. I feel like I kept my guardian angels busy. You know, you don't want them to get bored, right? And you got to keep them, got to keep them going. Like, I think they're bored with kids these days. You know, their parents won't let them do anything dangerous, and they're covered from head to toe in body armor. So, not allowed to go outside, and the, all the guardian angels are sitting around. Why are you praying for them to be safe? They don't do anything. No. I've already got a long message, so help me to help me to focus here. No, um, and uh, and also for for my uh, mother-in-law, who is who is right back here. Uh, so grateful for you, uh, honor you this morning. Give my mother-in-law a hand, <laughs> Kathy Hayes, uh, woman of God, who has uh, all all the time that I've known her, uh, passionately uh, served the Lord. Uh, and I love her heart and her passion uh, that, that has not changed, uh, was for, to, to raise up her children to serve the Lord, uh, and now it's to raise up her grandchildren uh, and any other kid that'll listen to her. Um, a funny story, uh, Matt had a, you know, a while back, Matt, before, before, you know, he, I don't even know if he was, well, he was in his early 20s probably, had a friend and he was coming over to the house a good bit, uh, and uh, and I, I don't know. I was outside doing something, and I heard him talking to uh, to uh, to Grammy, and he said something like he, he called her mom, and he said something like, "I can call you mom, right?" Uh, this was Matt's friend, and she said, "Well, sure you can, but you got to do what I tell you then." And so, <laughs> I don't know if he did or not. Uh, last time I saw him, actually, no. he's like, "I want to call her mom, but I don't want to do what she tells me." Um, and then, uh, so very grateful uh, on Mother's Day for my uh, beautiful wife, uh, love of my life, uh, blessing uh, from the Lord. Uh, when the Lord blesses you with a wife, He blesses you with a good thing. And uh, she is a great, great, great mom. Uh, and, uh, and just like her mom and her mother-in-law, uh, passionately serves the Lord with all of her heart. That's all I've ever seen her do. Um, 
one of the things that caught my attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, she truly is a woman who fears the Lord uh, and uh, is her, her burning heart's desire to raise up her own children and every other young person that she can get her hands on uh, to, uh, to serve the Lord. Would you give my, my wife a hand? Just for Uh, thank you so much for allowing me to to do that. I'm very grateful for uh, Mother's Day, and uh, and and I know that I don't have to, but just encourage you and all who may watch and listen uh, to uh, to honor your moms on this day uh, and to honor moms on every day. Um, as I as I've thought about today and and prayed um, and studied. Uh, I guess what, what the Lord just started to, to stir within me uh, is how important days like this are uh, where we honor right people uh, for doing uh, right things. Um, there is, as, as you know, and not surprising, uh, a great fog of confusion that has settled down over our America and uh, seems to be getting thicker uh, every day, and that's, that's not really surprising. And as we move on into the message, we'll, we'll see why uh, that's not surprising. Uh, but, but one of the things that, is, uh, that has uh, happened, and, and Scripture tells us that this will happen uh, and is happening, uh, because there's so much confusion, um, which again is, is not surprising, uh, is and, and this is one of the things that does happen when deception and confusion uh, come in and rule and reign in our thinking, uh, is, is honor gets out of place. And things that shouldn't be honored are honored, and people that shouldn't be honored are honored or praised or applauded. Uh, that, that's why it's so important that, and, and I'm so grateful that, that we still, even, even in the midst of this fog of confusion, we still have Mother's Day set apart to applaud our mothers and to honor them. For, for, the, for the mom should be applauded and praised and, and honored. Let me show you this in Scripture. Um, in, a, in Psalm 12, verse 7 and 8, we, we see what I'm talking about, and uh, here's what it says. It says, uh, you, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from uh, the wicked who, talking about the wicked, who freely strut about when what is vile is honored by the human race. Uh, or, you know, probably easier translation, by mankind. Uh, the wicked freely strut about when what is vile is honored among mankind uh, by, by people. Uh, so, so, Scripture here tells us that, that when we see honor shifting and being placed on those that it shouldn't be placed on for doing things that they shouldn't be doing, uh, that that what takes place there is that we will see the wicked come out of hiding and freely strut about 
when what is vile is, is honored. Now we know from Scripture that there are things that should be honored, and there are people that should be honored. And when there are people and, and who, are, who are living in a way that should be honored, then it is fitting for us to honor, give honor to whom honor is due. But there, there is a, a, a very dangerous thing that takes place when honor gets off, when honor gets out of place, and, and instead of honorable things being honored, vile things are honored, and vile people are honored. And, this, and here's the dangerous thing that happens. The wicked come out of hiding and freely strut about and flaunt and, and, and praise and display uh, wickedness. This is, this is what happens uh, in the midst of confusion and deception. And, uh, and you know, if we look around, we can see this kind of thing taking place and happening uh, right now. Now, to give you a, a scriptural example of this and also a, a Mother's Day themed message, um, let's go to Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31 gives us an example of, of things that are honored that maybe shouldn't be honored or maybe are, are less honorable than something else and then tells us what should be uh, applauded, what should be praised, what should be honored. Now, now yes, guys, men, I, I am Mother's Day focusing this and, and going to talk about uh, women, but we're going to uncover here a reality, a truth that applies to us all. So don't, don't check out on me here because there's something incredibly important that we uncover and it's going to work not only in the life of the mother or the woman, but it's going to work in the life of the man as well. Proverbs uh, 31, as you know, is, uh, is, a, is a, a saying that was written down, uh, that was taught by a mother. And, and the, the kind of second half portion of it is about the virtuous woman. And, and talks about this amazing woman, amazing mother, amazing uh, wife, uh, and, and many things that she does. For sake of time, uh, I want to drop in on verse 25. And yes, Joy shared this this morning, but, but you know Scripture, right? We can learn from it and learn from it and learn from it and learn from it some more. Verse 25, it... it starts really giving us this incredible, beautiful picture of, of a woman, of this Proverbs 31 uh, woman. She is clothed with strength and dignity. Now, uh, you know, women love their clothes, right? But these are some clothes for, for women to really aspire to, to be clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom. And faithful instruction is on her tongue. I hear some women speaking sometimes. It's not always with wisdom. But it, but it, but it can be. Faithful instruction is on her tongue. 
she watches over the affairs of her husband and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. So, so here we see this woman being honored. Uh, we see this woman being praised. We see this woman uh, being applauded. And, and interesting, applauded by the people who are closest to her. It's, it's kind of a powerful statement, right? Because it's the people closest to you who see you the best, who, who, who see into you the clearest, who know you the best. Verse 29. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. So there, so there are many women, and they are doing and they are doing noble things. So there are noble and good things that many women, that many wives, that many mothers are, are doing that, that are honorable, applaudable uh, things to be done. But, but Scripture is about to highlight for us one that rises above them all. One that, that, that clearly outshines all the other noble things that they do because it says, but you surpass them all. All the noble things being done the Proverbs 31 is outpacing all of them. Charm is deceptive and beauty fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. What a powerful passage of Scripture here proclaimed in Proverbs 31 declares that, that kind of the two things that that really women uh, are applauded and praised and honored for the most in our culture, charm and beauty, and neither one of them are, are wrong. Charm, charm can be wrong when it's wielded for deception, when it's wielded to manipulate. If that's the purpose, then it's wrong, but just to be charming in and of itself is not wrong and, and not a bad thing. Charm, but it can be deceptive, and beauty fleeting, which, which are the things, you know, one of the things that women desire the most is to be beautiful. And, and that's, a, that's a fine thing. And, and there's nothing at all wrong with that. But it probably rises to the top of the list in our culture of, of the thing that's honored the most when it comes to women is, is their beauty. That's why women are laboring and working to to be uh, beautiful, uh, because that's so applauded, that is so honored. But here, Scripture takes us in a different direction and says this, a woman who fears, charms deceptive beauty is fleeting. A woman who fears the Lord. Now that's something. A woman who fears the Lord. Now she is to be honored. A woman who fears the Lord, now she is to be applauded. A woman who fears the Lord, now she is to be praised. Of all the noble things, of all the honorable things, what sets a woman above them all is her fear of the Lord. And all those other things, I would say this and say it with wholehearted confidence, all those other things that we just talked about, when women get this right and they fear the Lord, then all of those other things come to them. They are clothed with strength and dignity. They speak with wisdom and faithfulness. Their charm is not deceptive, but charming. And their beauty is deeper than on the outside. 
a woman who fears the Lord. Come on, somebody. Show me a woman who fears the Lord. She is to be praised. She is to be honored. Honor her. If you didn't get it, Scripture just lays it toward us. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Praise her, honor her, because she is a woman who does noble things. She is a woman who is worthy of praise. So, so now that we see that, that there is something more than all these other things that raises a woman above, every, above, above, above all those other things that is, that is worthy of honor and worthy of praise, and we identify what it is, the fear of the Lord. Now we have the difficult task of diving into the fear of the Lord, and what in the world is that? Try to explain the fear of the Lord and see if that's not one of the more challenging, difficult things to explain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So what does it mean to fear the Lord? Well, let me give you a couple scriptures that, that will help us uh, with this. And I'm, I might, this might be like a good note-taking message for anybody who likes to do that. Um, Proverbs 1, verse 7. Proverbs 1, 7 uh, talks to us of the fear of the Lord. And it says this, it says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. So, so there's a connection between fearing God and, and starting, beginning, a beginning place, and, and knowledge, and knowing something, for, really knowing something and understanding something, uh, you know, and then it ends, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, kind of a like verse to this, but, but maybe gives us a little bit uh, clearer of a picture, uh, is Proverbs 9, verse 10. Proverbs 9, 10 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So here we have beginning again, and, in, and this time instead of knowledge, it's wisdom, but, wisdom, but knowledge is going to come into the picture here. And knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. So it's the beginning of wisdom, and then there's this powerful statement that says that, says that uh, uh, again, um, again, you, I think you can bring in this beginning here, that, that knowledge of the Holy One is the beginning to understanding. That it's, that it's when we begin to know God for who God truly is, that, that then there comes wisdom, that then there comes understanding, and that there's a connection between that and the fear of the Lord. So, um, so let, me, let me give you my definition here you know, of the, of the fear of the Lord, and, uh, you know, it's mine, you know, so like it or don't like it, it's not, it's not uh, Scripture, but, but as I've studied and prayed and, and connected some verses here, uh, this, is, this is what I think would be a good definition for the fear of the Lord. The, the beginning place of seeing and knowing the Lord for who He truly is. The fear of the Lord is, it's the jumping off point. It's the starting place. It's the beginning place. I say beginning place because 
Because we're, we're always going to be on this journey of seeing God for who he truly is. The knowledge of the Holy One is beyond, is beyond us. So, so we're never going to totally gather it in, right? But, but the fear of the Lord is, is where I begin to recognize God for God. It's where I begin to know him for who he truly is. It's, it's the beginning place for seeing him for who he truly is, which, which is the place where life transformation takes place. It's, it's, it's when we see God for God. It's when we recognize him for who he actually is that everything begins to shift and change in our lives and line up right to, to come into a place of order, to be what God said it to be and, and meant it to be and purposed it to be. The, the reason that there's so much confusion and chaos and, and disorder in so many people's lives, it's, it's their seeing of God. It's their seeing Him wrong. It's their knowledge of God is off. So when knowledge of God is off, it gets down into every other part of my life and makes all other things off. That's why uh, one, one of my favorite quotes is A.W. Tozer's quote uh, where he says this. He says, what comes, this is A.W. Tozer, it's powerful. It says, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Think on that statement. Because he's saying, when, when you're thinking about God, what you're thinking about him, he said, that is more, that is the most important thing about you that's more important than anything else. Because when our thinking about God is right, when our knowledge of God is right, when we're seeing God for who he truly is, it affects our lives and brings a rightness to our lives. When it's off, our lives are off. When our thinking of God is wrong, it comes in and brings confusion and, and mess to our lives. But, but when we fear God, which comes when we see him right, all of a sudden things start to straighten up, line up, become to, come to a place of order, and we begin to be and do who God has called us to be and what God has called us to do. There's so much idol worship in our culture. That's why there's so much confusion. That's why, the, that's why the fog of confusion that has settled in is not surprising because there's very little fear of the Lord. Because there's, a very, there's, 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 there's very few who are seeing God for who He truly is. Now everybody's making God into who they want Him to be, but very few are seeing Him for who He truly is. You say, man, I don't see anybody, I don't see anybody worshiping idols. Well, you know, back in the day, they made wood and they covered it with gold and they made it how they wanted it to look and then they worshipped it. Now we're not, a, we're not quite that uh, obvious in our culture. Now we, we just form him and make him into what we want him to be, but, but we do it in our imagination and in our thinking. And so we're imagining and thinking of God wrong. 
Right, you hear people say stuff like all this, well, I don't think God would that, or do that, or believes that, or would, or would embrace this, or would do that. Well, well, who cares what you think? It's not about what we think about God. It's not about what we think God is. It's who is He for real? It's who is He really? It's who is He truly? And the fear of the Lord I would, I would say, is the beginning of really recognizing for God for who God truly is. So let me break it down a little bit more for you. Um, and maybe, you know, maybe, this will be, maybe this will be helpful uh, for us. Uh, you know, when, when you think of the fear of the Lord, if, if you were to just describe it, in, if, or if I were to just describe it in three words, uh, here would be the ones that, that I would choose. It would be reverence. To, to fear the Lord is, is to revere Him. It's to reverence Him. Um, second word would be trust. It's to trust Him. And then, and then the third word would be love. Uh, to love Him. To love the Lord, our God, uh, with all uh, of our heart. I, I think that, that these three take place when we're seeing God for who God truly is. Right? When, when I come to that beginning starting place where I'm, I'm all of a sudden now not seeing Him totally, but seeing Him and what I'm seeing of Him is Him. What I'm seeing of Him is right and just and true. When that takes place, what I see happen in Scripture is reverence, trust, and love. When I see God for who He truly is, the result is reverence. It's I honor Him and I worship Him and I submit to Him. I recognize that he is king of kings and lord of lords and worthy of my bended knee. You see, you see, one of the reasons that God is not revered is because he's not feared. Because he's not seen. You recognize people who are incredibly disrespectful to God and don't revere him. Their thinking about him is off. They're not seeing him for who he truly is. But when we see him for who he is, that means reverence because we recognize that he is awesome. We recognize that he is holy. And we recognize that he is majestic. And when we see that he's awesome and holy and majestic, that leads to reverence. And we revere him, and we worship him, and we bow down before him, and we sing songs to him, and we shout, holy, 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 holy is the Lord God Almighty. You recognize that, that in the throne room of God, when, when it is seen that there's worship going on, that there's reverence in that place, that there are the seraphim circling the throne and saying, holy, holy holy is the Lord God Almighty. They're revering Him because they fear Him because they see Him for who He truly is. When we see God for who He is, reverence takes place. 
Uh, second is, uh, is trust. When we see God for who he truly is, this is one of the main evidences that someone's thinking about God is off, that they're not seeing him for who he truly is. One of the main evidences of that is they don't trust him. Because when we begin to behold him, not, not completely, but rightly, what we're seeing of him is right, it leads to us trusting in him because we see that he's powerful. We see that he is able to do all things, that nothing is impossible with God. We recognize that he is able Right? That's why we can, we can sing and shout Jehovah Jireh because we recognize that he's powerful and able that he can provide for my every need that there's nothing he cannot do. That's why Mary said yes. Right, Because with God, all things are possible. That's why Moses said yes. Because with God, all things are possible. It's why Gideon said yes. Because with God, all things are possible. It's why we say yes. Because with God, all things are possible. When, when we see him for who he truly is, we trust him. We recognize that he's powerful. We recognize that he's able. We recognize that he is wise. And we recognize that he's good. And we know in his goodness, in his power, in his wisdom, that Romans 8.28 is true. And that God is working together all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Or maybe you could put there an Old Testament statement, those who fear the Lord. When we see that he's powerful and able and wise and good, we trust him. Reverence, because I see him. Trust, because I see him. And then love. Love. Uh, we see that he is love. And we see that he, that he loves me. And that, that he values me. Uh, I, like, I like this. And that he wants me. That he, he when, when I see God for who he truly is, I see that he's, that he's loving and gracious and kind and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. I love the, I love the story of Jonah. Uh, and, and, and for one of the... For, for many reasons, but it's so interesting to me that, that one of the things that Jonah clearly recognized about God was God's love. He actually got upset about it, which isn't good, but you know, he went and preached to Nineveh, and, and revival took place, and life change was happening, and, and Jonah wanted judgment. He didn't want redemption and forgiveness and salvation. He wanted judgment, and, he, and so he, you know, Jonah 4, you know the story. So he's mad at God, and he says, and God says, why are you mad? And Jonah says, because you're loving, and it's really irritating. Basically, Jason paraphrased. He says, because I know you. And he said, I know that you are kind and compassionate 
merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in love. God, when we see him, we recognize that he loves, that, that he loves me, that he wants me, and that he values me. If you don't know that God loves you, then you've got to really take a good look at Jesus because he sent his only begotten son. He sent his only begotten son to suffer and bleed and die on a cross for you and for me because he loves us, because he so wants us. Because he so values us. Don't ever say again, man, I'm just not valuable. Yes, you are. You're so valuable that God sent his precious son. Ask, ask any mom in here who she's going to send her son for. God so loved that he sent his precious, valuable son. And Jesus so loved that he came so valued us that he went to the cross, that he suffered and died because he wanted us, because he loves us and values us. When, when we see God for who he truly is, we recognize his love. And when we recognize his love for us, then everything that we believe about ourselves shifts and changes why is there so much confusion when it comes to identity these days? Because there's so much confusion when it comes to God's love. But if we see God, if we fear the Lord and see Him for who He is, for who He truly is, then we recognize that He loves and it changes everything. That's why, that's why this is so true, right? Knowledge of the Holy One, that is when understanding comes. If there's not knowledge of the Holy One, then there's not this. You say, why is there, why is there so much confusion? Why is there so little wisdom? Why is there so, such a lack of understanding? Because there's a lack of this. A lack of this because there's a lack of this. The fear of the Lord. Seeing God. The, the beginning place of seeing God for who God truly is. And when we, when we see him, then, then comes reverence. And when we see him, then comes trust. And when we see him, then, then comes love. And, and when we're recognizing the love of God and the love of God for us, it's then that our love lines up and straightens up and becomes what it should truly be. Not some false, uh, selfish, all about me love, but Proverb, I mean uh, Romans 13 kind of love. So, so, I, so I said that you know the fear of the Lord, that, that seeing God and thinking of Him correctly, you know that kind of kind of starts blowing away the fog, the confusion, and starts bringing clarity and and order to you know, our lives. It, it, it's it's kind of the beginning point of transformation of life change and it, and it looks it looks kind of like this just in line with uh, with with what we're thinking about uh, just in line with these three words of reverence trust and love i told you this was a good note taking message here uh, we'll, we'll we'll call it reverence change there there's a reverence change that takes place 
there's a trust change that takes place, and, uh, and then there's a love change that takes place. So you can have like, a, like an off reverence, you can have an off false uh, trust, you can have an off twisted kind of, kind of love. When we begin to, uh, out of order, out of place, confused, when we begin to see God, it shifts and it changes and lines up and becomes what it is. Um, so here, here, reverence change is, uh, is not my glory, it's His glory. When, when there's not the fear of the Lord, and I'm not seeing Him for who He truly is, then, then, then really life's <clears throat> uh, spent chasing my glory, my honor, my fame, my name. And the life-changing thing takes place when I see the Lord and reverence Him, and, and, and all of that is laid down, and life becomes about His glory, His honor, His fame, uh, His name. Trust, there's a trust change that takes place um, when, when, when the fear of the Lord sets in. And it's this, uh, not, not what I think, uh, but what He says. The change that takes place is, it's not my opinion, it's not my thinking, it's not my ways, all that laid down. It's what does God say? I trust in that. I'd, I wish there was a scripture that, that said something like, to, uh, to trust the Lord with all your heart and not to trust in your own thinking or your own ways or your own understandings but in all your ways to acknowledge Him. And then He'll come and, and order and straighten your path, your life, your way. I'm kidding around, you know, Proverbs 3, 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. Time to get up. Is that a wake up or is that hello? Hmm. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um, then there's a love, a love change. Love change that takes place. Um, and, and, and we see this in the life of our Savior. We could spend a lot of time talking about it, but, but, I, but I think we clearly recognize it. And the love change that takes place is is it's not about serving me. It's about serving Him. Not serving me, serving Him. And I can so serve Him by serving others. That's why you see this Proverbs 31 woman who fears the Lord, and you read about her, and it seems like she's just a servant. Just serving everywhere she goes, because she's seeing God for who God truly is. Maybe that's why Jesus so easily laid down his robes and his crown and got up off of his throne and came for our salvation because it was so easy to serve us because he so clearly saw God. Love change that takes place. You know, you know this false love in our world is, is serve me, serve me, serve me, serve me. Right? All you young single ladies in here, if any guy says, if you love me, you'll do this for me, that's not love. It's the opposite of love. Real love 
is serving. Real love is giving, not receiving. Real love is how can I serve you, not how will you serve me. The love change that takes place, not serving me, but serving Him. All right, quick review. Reverence change, not my glory, His. Trust change, not my thinking, what He is saying. Love change, not serving me, but serving but serving Him. Now, uh, to, to end, and you know, I can end for 15 minutes, so don't get excited. Um, to end in, in, you know, in, in, in thinking and in theme with Mother's Day, I was thinking about Esther and you know, the wonderful little book of, of Esther. And, and probably many of you know the story, but, but, but you remember Esther was, was just a, a nobody who became the queen and came in service of the king. And, and she was an Israelite. She was a Jew. And there was a, the bad guy in the story. You know, there's always a bad guy in the story. Uh, Haman hated the Jews because, because he didn't, for, for many reasons, one of them is because he didn't like Mordecai, uh, who was Esther's relative. And, and, and really the one who cared for her and raised her. And so there was a plot to, to kill all of the Israelites. And Mordecai became aware of it, and he told Esther about it, who was the queen. And he said to Esther, he said, Esther, you've got you've to go. And I, I think Esther might line up with this you know, Proverbs 31 kind of a woman. He said, Esther, you've got to go to the king and talk to him. Otherwise, there's, otherwise, all of our people are going to be, you know, attacked. And Esther, Esther struggled with it for a little. You know, you know where Mordecai was like, you got to do this. And, and, and he said, you know, perhaps you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And so then Esther, Esther decides that she's going to do this, uh, that, that she's going to go to the king. And, and the reason why she was struggling with it is because you just don't go to the king. Right? Because he's the king. Even, even the queen just doesn't come to the king. The king has to call you. And if the king calls you, then you can come. If the king doesn't call you, then you can't come. If you come without the king calling you, and he doesn't receive you, then it's... You know, it's the queen of hearts, right? Off with your head. You're done. And Esther knows this. And this king has shown that he will deal with things like this. And so Esther is, is afraid to come to the king, but she does it because the people are, are in danger. And I'm not going to read Proverbs, uh, Esther 5, but, but you can. But, but in there I think we see Esther coming to the king, and I think we see reverence, I think we see trust, and I think we see love. She, she comes because she has to, even though he hasn't called her, but she, it says she comes clothed in her royal robes and after she had fasted and prayed for three days. So she's coming reverently to the king, right? She's just not coming in, in, in some, you know, that old thing that she just threw on. 
She comes in, she's made up, you know, whatever. They did all kinds of stuff. You remember when she became queen? You know, had to go through spice treatments and, whew, there's a lot. Thank the Lord I don't have to. Mm. All kinds of stuff she had to go through. And she, but she does, and she comes to the king, and, and she comes to the king in reverence, but she also comes to the king trusting. I think she's seen some kindness in his heart. I think she's seen some goodness. I think she has seen some wisdom in him. And so she comes, I'm coming in reverence, but I'm come trusting that he's going to accept me. And then, and then when she comes, he sees her and there's acceptance. And he allows her to come. And then she comes in love. As she says to the king, I want to I have a, a feast where I can serve you. And there is a, a celebration and a feast that she's given. Now, now she's trying to butter him up because she's going to ask him something. But she truly does come in honor, in reverence, in trust, and in love. And she is, and she is welcomed by the king. And, and she sees that she is loved by the king as he says to her, as he says to her, what can I do for you? Up to half my kingdom. Everything, everything I have, half of it to you if you want it, Esther. This is, this is my love for you. So we see her coming in reverence. We see her coming in trust. We see her coming in love. And by this earthly king, we see her being received and, and blessed by it. Now, if an earthly king would do this, how much more so our heavenly Father, our King? Matthew 7 says that we should ask the Lord and, and He'll give us. He says, because who of us as, as fathers uh, won't give good gifts to their children? If our, if our son asks for a fish, will we give him a snake? If he asks for bread, will we give him a stone? And it says, how much more will our heavenly, if, if we're just wicked, evil, sinful men and we know how to give good gifts, how much more will our loving heavenly Father give good things to those who ask Him? And here we have this, this king, this earthly king, giving us this wonderful picture of our heavenly king, though it is a bit of a flawed picture. But but he receives Esther when she comes in reverence, when she comes trusting, and when she comes in love. And if he, uh, this earthly king, human man, received Esther, how much more will the king of kings receive us if we will come to him? We have something that Esther didn't have. We actually have an invitation. He has actually called to us to come. The king has said, come. Wants us to come. We have the invitation to come. We have, because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, every price paid, everything cared for, for us to come to the Lord, will we, in reverence, 
and in trust and in love, come to Him and, uh, and receive the promised gift of salvation, the promised gift of eternity, the promised gift of abundant, of abundant life. Esther didn't even have it, have that invitation, and she was accepted. We from a greater king have an invitation. Will we come and receive it? Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for our moms this morning. And we are grateful for the investment and the love and the prayers and the example and the encouragement that, that we have all received from our loving mothers. Probably many of us in this room would say that that our mom really kind of lines up with that Proverbs 31. Lord, we're thankful for that, that passage of Scripture that shows us that, that there are noble, honorable things, but there's, there's something that rises above them all. And it's to be a woman who fears the Lord. And Lord, we know that we know that that is certainly true, not only for women, but for every man as well. For all those that you have, that you have created, that the highest thing that we can do, that the thing most worthy of honor and praise is to fear you. To, to reverence you and to trust You, and to love You. And Lord, we see that, that when we do that, that things in our story shift and change and line up and come to a place of order and rightness. And Lord, sometimes we, we feel so far from You We feel so unworthy of You. But we're reminded this morning that, that You love us and that You have called to us and that You want us to come to You and to see You for who You truly are. And, and, and for us, it's just up to us to, to say yes, to recognize that that we were born, made, placed here, called here for such a time as this. That it's no accident that anyone is in this room or listening to this podcast or watching online that, that you knew and you, you brought us to this place, calling us to be men and women who fear you. Men and women who come into your presence and see you for who you truly are. So call to us today, Lord, and help us to hear. And when we hear your call, 
Let us see that the blood of Jesus has made a way and let us freely come to you and put all of our hope and trust in you and look upon you and in seeing you for the first time begin to truly see. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to ask you this morning, if you hear the Lord calling to you and you want to come to Him and trust Him as Savior and Lord, I just want to pray with you. Just raise your hand wherever you are. Yes, I see your hand. I just want to pray. If you're watching online or listening to this, just raise your hand. We're just going to pray together. We're just going to pray a prayer from our hearts, a prayer of coming to Jesus. Pray with me, will you? Everyone just repeating after me. Lord Jesus, I believe that you are an all-sufficient Savior, that your blood is enough, and I hear you calling me to come And I say, I'm coming. Jesus, I come to you as my Savior and as my Lord. Open my eyes that I might see you for who you truly are. Change my life. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give the Lord a hand. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, men and women of God, uh, fear the Lord and uh, revere Him and trust Him and love Him. And things are or, or, will order and straighten uh, in your life. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, God bless all the moms uh, in the room. Such a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, we have for you a really cool Mother's Day gift. Uh, back here on this table, uh, that you can that you can go back there and um, Elizabeth, you go hand those out, hand them as they come. So so you get two wonderful Mother Day blessings. Uh, you get the gift and you get to receive it from Elizabeth. So pretty pretty cool. Uh, God bless you. Happy Mother's Day.